You're listening to Work Tape, episode 34. Welcome to the Work Tape podcast, everyone. I am your host, Isaac Grover, and back with me is again Garrison Dinsmore. We are the duo of hard rock and Today is especially a hard day for hard rockers and probably rockers of of all walks of life and probably all musicians. The beloved Taylor Hawkins from Foo Fighters is no longer with us. And Garrison, Taylor is also one of your biggest influences, isn't he? Not just mine. Yeah, absolutely. I think as I may have mentioned uh, last time I was on, Foo Fighters are always have been my favorite band. And really were kind of the introduction to hard rock specifically for me, but also um, just kind of the wider world of music in general. And Taylor was a huge part of that. In fact, the only band poster I've ever owned was a huge wall-sized poster of Foo Fighters when it was Dave, Taylor, Chris, and um, Nate. When did you first get into, uh, well, I know more or less when you got into Foo Fighters. When did you kind of start noticing Taylor as like an individual? Yeah. So when I got into Foo Fighters around like 08, you know, he was already a, a huge integral part of the band. And the first album I listened to was Echoes. But I think shortly after that, I think the next one I got into was In Your Honor, which he played I think perhaps his biggest role on, um, not just because it's a double album, but I mean, he he really shines through on that record. And, you know, he wrote uh, Cold Day in the Sun and he, he sings on it too, right? Yeah, Cold Day in the Sun is actually one of my favorites. I wouldn't say like my all-time favorite Foo's track, but actually do every now and then go back to that song. And actually I go back to that song because Taylor's the one that actually sings it and, and plays drums as well i i just i love the melody to that song yeah it's so good so basically i think that album is where i kind of like gained more appreciation for him as a musician and yeah he's just i mean they're all irreplaceable but he seemed like especially like a pillar of the band i mean dave is known as like the nicest guy in rock and roll famously but he seemed like slightly more serious. And then Taylor just seemed like kind of a source of pure joy for the band. And the two of them, I feel like, formed the charismatic core of Foo Fighters together. I wholeheartedly agree. I, in fact, I'm going to be the bad person here. <laughs> and I really, you know me, you know how we both mutually are obsessed with Dave. Like Dave is one of my top three frontmen as well as songwriters, maybe even guitarists, you know, because I'm not really into Eddie Van Halen-esque guitarists. I like a lot of simple rhythm players like Bob Marley or Kurt Cobain. I'm not really big on crazy guitar playing, even though Dave is actually a very good guitarist, but he's, he's a great songwriter. But when it comes to drums, Dave is, is in there, but I've always appreciated Taylor's technique because Taylor's heavily influenced by Stuart Copeland from Police um, 
I think it's Roger. Is it Roger Taylor from Queen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Roger Taylor from Queen as well as... I won't lie. Those are the two big ones I know. I know that he likes Phil Collins, but definitely Stuart Copeland. In fact, I was listening to The Police the other night. Actually, I listened to it yesterday, the night that I heard. That was actually the day of his passing. And whenever I listen to The Police, I think subconsciously, I have Taylor in my mind. Like, (laughs) I guess without really even realizing it, like I, I think of Foo Fighters. In fact, I forgot if it was next to you or something like that. I was listening to Outlanda some more. And I think that one's from 1978. And so I hear a ton of the technique that Taylor would adopt for Foo's. Like when he joined a band during the Color and Shape, the tour, after Goldsmith, you know, very sadly kind of left the band on kind of bad terms. And so Taylor was his replacement. In fact, the story goes is that Dave was looking for a replacement drummer and he he called Taylor, who was at the time an acquaintance, and he was asking Taylor, like, hey, do you know someone who joined a band? And so Taylor at the time was with Alanis Morissette, and he was playing for a couple of her albums, like live. And so Taylor, I guess, wanted to join a band, and Dave assumed that Taylor wanted to stay with Alanis because Alanis was bigger than Foo Fighters at the time. So Dave was like, yeah, like, just refer me a drummer. And Taylor was like, oh, I want to join. And so that's when he joined. And then by... Uh, there is nothing left to lose. That's when he started being their main drummer, even though, again, he did play, he toured with them during the Color and Shape time. And so he actually joined them in March 1997. So he's been with them a full 25 years. Yeah. And you know me, I digress. But what I meant to say was regarding Dave, I have always considered kind of Taylor to be more the nice one. Because I like Dave, but yeah, he can... You know, I, I've seen people tick him off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen people tick him off, and I wouldn't want to tick him off either. He's my hero, right? But I guess it's hard for me to talk about Taylor without putting down Dave because I don't want to put down Dave. Dave is a very straightforward, bare bones. He's a fundamentalist as a drummer, but Taylor is very technical and he's very much into different techniques. And and I think Dave is a great studio drummer, but I think Taylor is like a great live drummer. They're both kind of both, you know, they're both just as good as both. But if I were to take one or the other, I would take Dave for studio and I take Taylor for live because whenever I see him rocking on that kit, I really feel the life of Foo Fighters more when I see Taylor on there than even seeing Dave running around on stage and, and the rest of the band members. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with all of that. I don't have quite the the musician's ear that, that you do to pick out the technical similarities and stuff. But I, I think what I was um, thinking is, is Taylor, in a sense, like, and a lot of people use, like, Ringo Starr as kind of like a, a joke, but I, I think he really is, you know, one of the best drummers of all time. When I was watching Get Back, which I haven't finished it, but I've seen a couple hours of it, Neither have I. You're good. One of the biggest takeaways from that for me was Ringo's just automatic mastery of the form. John and Paul are just like spitballing back and forth like, oh, what if what if we do this? What if we do that? And like never once did I see Paul be like, actually, Ringo, you should do it like this. Like they never give him any cues or anything. John and Paul just start like noodling or wailing and Ringo just comes in automatically um, to just 
drum automatically and to have no tips from John Lennon and Paul McCartney on their own music. I mean, that's perfection. And I feel like Taylor, uh, not that I've seen like a lot of in-studio footage of Foo Fighters, but I feel like he must be kind of like that with Dave, especially like even more so to be in a drummer's band, especially Dave, one of the most famous and beloved drummers of his generation. You know, the, the pressure that one could feel, I feel like Taylor, he just fit right in. And obviously Dave loved him. And he like, again, he became a core part of the band. And so I think that he is absolutely on that Ringo star level of just complete mastery without drawing all the attention to himself. He is very humble. That's a good point, man. I, I was thinking about that too. Cause I mean, Dave has some humility. Don't get me wrong, but Taylor's got like this, um, he's infectiously happy. Like you just see him smiling on stage. He's got one of the most interesting and unique um, musician faces when he's playing. And, and I like it to me. It's kind of the highlight of the show. Like, I am very drummer biased. And even though like Dave is a great drummer, I mean, let's be honest. I personally hear Taylor Hawkins as the Foo Fighters drummer. And I know I'm not alone in this. I mean, most people are, would say that because they're not going to just discredit Taylor out of the 25 years he's been with Foo Fighters just because Dave started the band and just because Dave was part of Nirvana. But still, I don't think it can be overstated that Taylor really is the lifeblood of the Foo Fighters. Yeah. For me. Now, so Dave's songwriting really, in a way, is the lifeblood of the Foos. But because I really believe that more often than not, the drummer is the life of the band, Taylor is no exception in this scenario. When I listen to Foo Fighters, he's the person that I'm appreciating the most when I listen to Foos. Mm -hmm. I like Foos because... I can actually play that stuff on guitar, right? You know, so there, there is a part of it where I can appreciate the guitar and, and the bass guitar, but the drums, dude, every time I listen to a Foos track, I know it's going to hit hard, but because Taylor's playing and it's not Dave, because I'm obsessed with Nevermind because of Dave's drumming, you know, as well as the really riffy drumming from In Utero. But like when I listen to Foo Fighters catalog, Despite the fact that color and shape is great, There Is Nothing Left to Lose has some of my favorite drumming out of any band. And I have to credit Taylor for that. I don't know how much of Foo Fighter drumming Dave probably composed and maybe Taylor dressed it up a little bit. But Taylor's drumming in There Is Nothing Left and as well as uh, Wasting Light. Like especially like Rope, dude. Like Rope's amazing. The, the little kind of drum part. And then uh, Bridge Burning. Mm-hmm. And then Arlandria, like, erased, replaced from Echoes. Yeah. His style is so cool. And then even though, like, In Your Honor was overproduced, has some of my favorite drumming. Like, it's really hard for me to not just appreciate Taylor's style throughout almost all of, pretty much all of Foo Fighters' discography. But even after the first two albums, when Dave was done drumming, when Taylor took over, I have to be honest, I think it really catapulted the band better than if Dave was drumming. Not because Dave is a bad drummer, but because there's a way that Taylor plays that complements a band differently than if Dave was playing. I think that Color and Shape was fantastic, but I think that there is nothing left to lose in a way fit the band Foo Fighters better than 
Color and Shape, even though those two are my favorite albums of Foo Fighters. Yeah, no, I, I agree that Foo Fighters were better and bigger because of Taylor's drumming rather than Dave trying to, to do that and, and focus on that as well. Because let's be honest, I mean, Foo Fighters really is a passion project by Dave, and that's cool. But like, I like Dave as a songwriter and just like a frontman. And honestly, I, I would just be like, let's leave the drumming to someone else. And this is not downing him, dude. Like, Dave's a monster player. I aspire to be anywhere near a drummer that Dave is. But I got to hand it to Taylor. Like, like I said, you listen to Nothing Left to Lose and like, you just get lost in the way that he plays. His hi-hat work is amazing. I really like the way he works a kit. How Tommy he can be. Dave likes to do fills, but Taylor is a little bit more controlled. Mm -hmm. And I like the way that he's controlled. You listen to The Police and you can hear some of the stuff that Taylor's trying to emulate and then he does his own thing with it. Like, Taylor is basically Stuart Copeland meets Dave Grohl. And then it's like, oh, that's sick. Yeah. And I think, like you said, you can kind of hear Ringo in there. I mean, it's hard to not hear Ringo in a lot of drummers, but I hear it though. I hear that Ringo-esque quality that, hey, you need this guy in the band. Like, it's really not the Foo Fighters without Taylor. And I know it's not the same without the other guys, but, you know, Pat Smear left the band and came back. And then Chris Shiflett wasn't there until One by One in 2002. So like Franz Stahl, like he was with the band and Color and the Shape and then left. But Taylor is so core to their sound, but not just to their sound. This guy, his personality was legitimately infectious. He was a guy that I totally would have wanted to just be like, bro, you influenced me. Thank you. And I just want to like give him a handshake and see a smile. Like I just want him to hear that I appreciate him. Yeah. To me, Foo Fighters is kind of a symbol. Um, not, not to make a drumming pun, but like... It, it worked. <laughs> but like Dave, you know, he has, without Taylor, I think he would maybe go a little too melancholic in a lot of his writing, and which is part of what I like about Dave's writing. They balance each other out, man. Yeah, exactly. And like, that's part of what I like about Dave's stuff. It has that hard edge to it, that undertone of sadness and anger that doesn't overtake the band. And I think it only doesn't overtake the band because of Taylor. And so Foo Fighters as a whole symbolized to me joy and fun and grit. And I think that that image uh, wouldn't work at all without Taylor. You're right, because when you think about it, Foo Fighters and Nirvana, as much as people like to Maybe back then it was more relevant to say they were the same thing. But now, like with retrospect and the the 27 years that Foo Fighters has been a thing, and then more so 25 years, you know, as a band and not just Dave as a solo project. I mean, Foo Fighters has transcended what Nirvana was, in my opinion. I mean, they they are two different bands. Yeah. And honestly, they are really different because the drummer's different. Yeah, and Nirvana, like, was the zeitgeist, right? They caught the wave and they became like the biggest band in the world for like three years. And they're still, I mean, they're iconic. They always will be. And it, and it's like, who knows where they would have gone, you know, were it not for Kurt's untimely passing. But Foo Fighters, they didn't just catch a wave and then kind of have the world move on. Like, they maintained a status of influence for yeah a quarter century and they never 
really waned. Um, I think, you know, we like some albums better than others, but it's like Foo Fighters have always been Foo Fighters. They are the face of American hard rock to me. Same. Absolutely same. Yeah. And I think the fact that like, and we don't have to get political about it, but the thing, the fact that like Republican presidents have used their music in ads without their permission, famously, and Democratic presidents have had them play at their inaugurations. The fact that basically every American president of the last 25 years has acknowledged their influence in that way, they realize that this band means something to the American people, Um, that it symbolizes the virtues that because of history and controversy that the flag can no longer symbolize for a lot of people. Maybe it's because they did Inner Honor that they're cemented as one of the most American bands in my mind. <laughs> but honestly, they really are one of the most American bands. Like, especially like back in 2005, 2007, like that was like the sound of American rock. Oh, yeah. I mean, things have changed since then, but like, you know, like when rock was still kind of relevant, right? It's still kind of relevant. It's not as relevant as hip hop and pop, but especially, you know, the late 90s to the early mid-aughts. I mean, that post-grunge sound and Foo Fighters of all bands were that textbook definition of American rock at the time. You know, at one point it was Van Halen. At another point it was Bruce Springsteen, you know? And then as time went on, you know, like it changed. But like Foo Fighters became that band that everyone defaulted to, like you were saying, like during a presidential campaign. It's true. I mean, you're right. Multiple presidents have used their music for these events and it just fits right in with that. Yeah. And, and not only presidents, like the, the literal seat of power, but also David Letterman, you know, the, the biggest name in late night for 20 plus years. What was it? 30 years? Dude, Letterman loves them. He's like yeah. their dad. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or older brother or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so just that, like, you know, nobody hates Foo Fighters. Like, even if you're not into rock. Right. And then the people who hate them, I think, really like them. (laughs) Yeah. They're just, yeah, the people that hate them secretly like them. And they're just mad that they're popular. (laughs) (laughs) They're closet fighters. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's so true, though. (laughs) <laughs> I always love like reading a consequence of sound or something like that, or, like a pitchfork post or Rolling Stone for sure. Oh yeah. And seeing all the people like rolling their eyes that Dave Grohl or Foo Fighters is being mentioned and they're so tired of it. But then like you and me, cause we actually like the band. We're like, Oh, you know, like whatever, like we get it. We, we know they're an amazing band. Like <laughs> you don't have to flatter us fans. Like we get it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like with so many things, right. They're popular for a reason. You know, when I was growing up, I never really was exposed to the Beatles, uh, except for just a few songs. And I was like, yeah, they're probably overrated. And then like, as an adult, I finally got into their whole discography. I was like, nope, they are appropriately rated. (laughs) I'm inclined to agree with you, you know, like, I feel the same way. But things are definitely, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Condolences to the band and the family of the Hawkins. But Taylor seemed like a great father. He seemed like a great friend 
to everyone that he met. I mean, like just seeing all of the posts, all of the people that he impacted. And it's really hard. I mean, dude, he's with Dave Grohl. You know, it's very difficult to be a drummer that makes a name for himself in a band of a frontman of one of the greatest bands of all time, you know, way back when that frontman used to drum for said band. So like the fact that Taylor is so beloved in the music community. In fact, I said this earlier, you know, like to me, Taylor's more for the musician than the fans. And even though Dave is as well, there's something about Taylor that like people are going to do studying on the drummer most times if you're an actual like a music head. Like just being honest, most fans don't seem to really gravitate toward drummers. They tend to gravitate toward the one with a mic unless the drummer is the singer. But most of the time they gravitate toward a front man or a front woman that has a mic in hand and is right there in front of the audience. But when it comes to drummers, assuming that they're not singing, you know, they're not queen or they're not eagles, most people don't talk about the drummer. And Taylor, again, in a band with one of the greatest drummers of all time, made a name for himself, earned the respect of that drummer, who is now the frontman and guitarist, and like established his own name and really cemented himself in our hearts as also, in my opinion, one of the nicest guys in rock and roll, easily. Just, just for how he treated people and came across in the public eye and public ear. He really seemed like a genuinely sweet man. And on top of that, was gifted with crazy chops as a musician and an artist and, and a lover of music, which, you know, I know you and I are. I mean, we aspire to be like people like them in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. And like, as a teenager, I wanted to be just like Dave. And, you know, like you said, for for Taylor to be the drummer in a drummer's band and not just any drummer, but like the drummer of his generation. And, you know, Foo Fighters has always been and probably always will be the band that is closest to my heart. I feel like their music just gets me and it's always the one that I come back to that when I listen to it, I'm not like, I feel like I'm not even consciously appreciating it. It's just, it just feels like the right music. Almost like home? Yeah, exactly. And that's as much credit to Taylor as anyone in the band. It's one of those uh, reminders that we all need to treat every day like it's the last. You know, people aren't going to stop dying. You just never know. And so, yeah, Taylor, right? You know, we salute you. I mean, we hope that the rest will be around for a while. I wanted to save this one for Dave, but might as well use this one for Taylor, you know, like in your honor, right? Yeah. So many things we want to say to you. I wanted to say a lot to you, man. Like, you know, I just hope that your family does well and can grieve properly and you guys can get the privacy that you need. And I also hope that your bandmates are able to also grieve respectfully as well and that we can just allow them to have their space but also kind of let them know that, you know, we, we witnessed greatness happening right before our ears and our eyes. And we, we were all influenced by it. And we all just fell in love with you guys. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, as a musician, it's hard to, 
it's hard not to nerd out about like your favorite artists and you just these people become your teachers and then they kind of transcend to like a friend status even if you've never met them you know you just appreciate them you're like wow like you would be a different person had you not met them and so you are a different person because you even if it wasn't literally meeting them you met them by way of finding out their art and then just kind of going down that rabbit hole and just appreciating, oh, wow, this piece of art's different than this piece of art, you know? And Taylor, he had his moments. He was able to sing in Foo Fighters. He was also able to start some other bands. Taylor had a love for singing too, you know? And I've listened to some of his solo music. He's, I swear, he's just like Dave. He just had a different, you know, they're, they're just different people. But in a lot of ways, he's like Dave. He's a drummer first. But he's he's probably actually a songwriter first. I don't know. I can't speak for them. Their music speaks for itself. Yeah. Yeah, I second all of that. And um, this really is heartbreaking. And, you know, it doesn't fully seem like it's real yet. And so I can't imagine what his friends and family are going through. And, yeah, my deepest condolences to them. And I hope and, and pray for their their well-being and, and like you said that uh, they can grieve properly and, and have the, the privacy uh, that they need yeah goodbyes are not easy but this is reality and so we will uh, embrace it the way we need to we need to come to reality and so Taylor you're forever in our hearts and we'll keep your families as Garrison said in prayer and, and Dave, Nate, Chris and I forgot your keyboard is his name and uh, Pat, you know, you're in our hearts as well. You know, we really like, we love all you guys and we've fallen in love with your art and we know that you guys will continue to influence others. And so just keep doing what you're doing and we'll support you as loyal friends. But yeah, friends, not even just fans, just as friends. Yeah. Well, that does it for today's episode. Uh, it's a somber one, but it's it's life. And yeah, Garrison, you know, you're going to be back again. I think Christina will be here the next week. And so, Taylor, we honor you. We respect you. And you were your own musician. And you you did it, man. You inspired us. So we want to tell you thank you. We love you, dude. Thanks. And we love your friends. We love your family. So, salute to you. Good night. Good night.